Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my fearless millennial daughter and co-host, Lauren Simonian, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. So, Lauren, do you know why I called you my fearless millennial daughter? I certainly do not know why you called me that, but thank you. That's because the... The way I'm looking at introducing our subject today is by calling it understanding and managing unnecessary fear. So therefore, you are the fearless co-host that's going to help us wade through the swamp called fear, the swamps. Is it one big swamp or are there many swamps? Mm, I think they probably all lead into the same swamp. Yeah. So... Today we have a it's a very important concept because fear underrides so much discontent and so many problems directly and indirectly and you know there are basically uh, two areas that I would like to get into one is the, the the area of phobic fears and then maybe more into the generalized fears that plague us on more of an everyday basis would you like to outline how you'd like to approach this or or is that good enough for you i feel very good with your outline thank you okay (laughs) so let's start out with a nice little song from when i was in high school see i didn't go back to the 20s and 30s you're progressing you've been yammering about that for some time And when I was in high school, this song came out and you're going to, I know you're going to feel it's a rather lame song, but we, we really liked it, but it's a little scary. So, you know, maybe you could hold on to something while you're listening. Okay. Okay. It's called the purple people eater. Are you ready to be scared? Ready. Okay. Here we go. Well, I saw the thing coming out of the sky It had a one long horn and one big eye Like a mister shaking in the city It looks like a purple people eater to me One eye Well, he came down to earth and he lit in the tree I said, Mr. Purple People Eater, don't eat me So, Lauren, the purple people eater I mean, it's pretty frightening song, you've got to admit I suppose it would be frightening to a purple person well, but the reason I bring that song up is because a lot of times we have fears that are imaginal. Uh, they're apprehensions, they're kind of anticipations. They're, we have all kinds of fears. But let, let's start with perhaps the most devastating fears, the phobias. And, you know, a phobia is essentially it's just an irrational, overpowering fear. And it could be objects, it could be other people, but basically we we have this irrational fear of certain situations. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to uh, 
ask you, would you like to play a little game with me? We don't, don't usually do this, but I'm going to go through some phobias and I want you to guess what the phobia is. Okay, okay. you ready? Ready. Astrophobia. Astra. Let me give you a hint. Let me give, of, let me give you a hint. Oh. Let me give you a hint. Okay. Remember last week's podcast? Um, what did we do last week? Uh, starting over. No, 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 no. Fear of starting over. <laughs> what? The thunderstorms? Yes. Fear of thunderstorms? Astrophobia. Fear of thunder and lightning. I was going to say fear of astronauts. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's one, one wrong for Lauren. How about anthrophobia? Anthro. So like anthropology has to do with studying things from the past, fear of the past. <laughs> fear of flowers. What? Is that a real thing? It really is. Yeah. You can Google any of these. I know you probably got your phone out right now just to see if I'm teasing you, but I'm not. Here's one that'll really, really get you going. Barophobia, B-A-R-O, barophobia. Hmm. I don't know this This, this one puzzles me. It's the fear of gravity. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a legit- The fear of losing gravity no. or like the fear of actually being under the grip of gravity? It's the fear of gravity. So there you go. I just, okay. All right, here's another good one. I'm glad these are all really relevant for everyone that's listening. <laughs> Dendrophobia. Den- Dendro? Dendro. 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 I should have paid more attention in Latin class. <laughs> Fear of trees. Really? Okay, these are like, I mean, a little bit uh, ridiculous, I think. I'm having a hard time understanding how someone could have a fear of flowers, too. But and how about this one? Genuphobia. This one will kill you. Genu. I, I'm not sure. Fear of knees. <laughs> fear of knees? Yeah. Hmm. So, so there, are, there are just really lots and lots of phobias in there. Mm-hmm. You know, everything from needles to... Uh, uh, water, uh, but you know what the three you might get one of or maybe more of these. What are the three top phobias? Okay, how about fear of death? That is one of them, but it's not the top three. But well, we can go on and on with this. So let me <laughs> <laughs> let's go with uh, acrophobia, which is number three. It's the fear of heights. Oh yeah, and that's that's kind of you know that's really a common fear. Yeah, it is. Number standing at number two, ophidiophobia. Hmm. That's the fear of snakes. Ah, uh, yep. And number one on the list, arachnophobia. Aha, spiders. You got it. See, you finally got one, but he so we're talking about phobias right now. I used to have a phobia. Yeah. Go ahead. Fear of elevators. Oh yeah, that's that's one up. That's up there. That's up. Yeah. yeah that's a well. That's a form of agoraphobia. And right. Agoraphobia is fear of certain situations that you can't escape from. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, being in in a theater, a subway car, or a situation where it's difficult to get help. And, right. And you know the irony is, I many many people that I have worked with over the years, that's a very common 
phobia associated with um, with anxiety. And, and oftentimes it manifests itself in people that have a really hard time being far away from their home. You know, that's their safety place. And being away from home in general causes them to feel rather phobic. So uh, agoraphobia, very common kind of phobia. Yeah, I was able to break my phobia, though, because when I moved into New York City on the 17th floor, about three days in of walking up and down the stairs, I was like, all right, <laughs> I think I can make this elevator thing work. And that was that. So let me ask you a question now. You know about our quarter of a million dollar uh, self-coaching podcast studios, and I know yours is a little bit cramped. Do you, do you have a bit of agoraphobia right now doing this podcast? I feel okay because I could easily access the exit if necessary. <laughs> I'm doing okay. Well, you know, you know, we talk about phobias because people might think, well, you know, that's far-fetched, but yet 60% of all adults admit to having at least one unreasonable fear. So other than phobias, do you have any unreasonable fears? I'm sure I do. I'm trying to think. Elevators is one. Um, unreasonable fears. I guess planes crashing. Hmm slightly unreasonable but every time the plane takes off i imagine the show lost and how like everyone i'm on the plane with i'll have to survive on some sort of stranded island with so i suppose that's unreasonable (laughs) mine is getting hit by a meteorite yeah you've always worried about that (laughs) that's the way i want to go i just want to hear this 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 sound this and then yeah that's it see ya good way to go see ya yeah but most, most fear, whether it be phobias or just intense fears, they have to do with, you know, the response, the fight, flight, freeze response, right? Mm-hmm. Did you know I added a fourth F to that? The fight, flight, freeze? And- yeah, what was it? And f- I don't remember. I, you had mentioned it, but. In my book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, I call it fight, flight, freeze, or fester. Ah. sometimes we just have to go over what's going on and what we need to do and we fester we just get frozen with our thoughts so it's a form of freezing but it's a more of a mental form mm-hmm. did you know why some animals freeze when they're when they're frightened do you know why they they freeze instead of flee well i know that all the blood rushes from your brain into your extremities so maybe because there's not any thought happening well it's it's you know it's part of evolution so you know wonder uh, animals with some type of protective coloration and things like that if you are motionless you're less likely to be detected mm. because the eyes mostly in the humans but in, in, in the animal kingdom as well motion is much more quickly picked up than something that's static and standing still so mm. we tend to you know it's called the deer in the headlights kind of thing right yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, we, we've talked last week about genetic predispositions. Do you, do you think that we are kind of genetically somehow wired to have certain fears or general fears? I don't really know. I would think that our environment that we grow up in determines what things we have sensitivities to. Mm-hmm. Um, like I grew up with my grandma who used to talk to all the bugs and the spiders and they all would have names. And so I never, you know, when I'm around bugs, it's, it's a, 
it's a lovely thing because <laughs> I perpetuate that fantasy world. But I know that, you know, most people get really scared when they see a spider. So I think that it, to a large extent, I believe that the way that we are, the influences that we have probably dictate what we think is dangerous and what we don't. I think the reason you love spiders is because of the song we used to sing, the itsy bitsy spider. Oh, yeah. And Charlotte's Web threw me over the edge, yeah, too. Yeah, you get to like these little... So. But, you know, if you think about it, we this the fear of snakes, for example, of heights, for example, uh, snakes, heights, and there's one other one I can't recall, but but animals possess the same reactions that we do when it comes to... And I think that there's an evolutionary aspect in all primates, because these are things that cause death. And, and I think it's very important to realize that certain evolutionary phobias uh, are more or less part of our constitution. So I, I think there's, a, there's a, a case for why there are you know, dispositions toward fear. Mm. And, and I know for, in first degree relatives, if you have a family member who's phobic, you have a, a more than likely chance of developing that same phobia. Now, whether it's learned or transmitted genetically, I don't know. Did you know Grandma Mary used to have this phobic, and I mean phobic, fear of snakes? Snakes, yep. She, oh, yeah. She wouldn't walk in the lawn outside. And we, we live in suburbia. When was the last time you saw a snake slithering through Crest Hill? Right. Yeah. yeah. So Grandma Mary, now, I, I, I don't like snakes, and I guess... I guess I don't feel comfortable around snakes, but I, I certainly didn't inherit that that phobia. But hmm. and you know, uh, you're the one that always talks about that amygdala response. And you were talking before about the blood. So this isn't just a mental thing when we have fear, is it? No, fear is a, a mind and body response. But actually, I think when the the body senses fear first, so. The signals that you have in your body happen before you can even have enough time to conceptualize what's what's actually scaring you. So most people will actually feel that reaction before they have time to rationalize it, which I think is probably why some people have irrational fears like fear of flowers. Not that I'm judging, but just saying. Yeah, we our minds, if we stop to think sometimes, we would be dead many times over. Um, when you cross the street and and all of a sudden you hear brakes squealing, you don't have to say to yourself, brakes are squealing. Do I turn to look at it or should I? by that time you're you're underneath the car? So you have to you, your body has to react in a in a less cognitive way. So certain fears are certainly critical to our survival. And and I think so we I think from the very get-go, we have to say that fear is part of life and it's a necessary part of life. What you and I are discussing today are the implications of fear that are unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes, exactly. Like purple people eaters. Right. You really like That's it? unnecessary for a lot of reasons. It was a one-eyed, one-horned, <laughs> flying purple people eater. Well, that, that scares me to this day. <laughs> people, people that you know, personality plays into it too. People that are warriors, you know, pessimists. Uh, neurotic people they're more at risk of uh, you know just developing these kind of phobic reactions to life itself and typically these are people that have been raised by overprotective parents 
sometimes losing a parent and fending on your own. But the overprotective parent, that's that's an interesting phenomenon because, you know, that's a parent that's trying to prevent you from ever encountering anything dangerous. Don't go there. Don't, don't pick that up. Oh, my God. So, so an overprotective parent kind of instills this hyper-cautiousness, this, this hypersensitivity to things that can bite us, hurt us, damage us, infect us, all that kind of terrible stuff. Yeah. And, and then also like the fear of failure for those kids becomes a real thing. So the, the chances that they're going to take risks and try new things is, is less likely. So I see that a lot as a teacher in school. A lot of kids, they have this perfectionism tendency, mm-hmm. perfectionistic tendency. And so there's a lot of fear associated with, well, what if I don't do well? Well, what's, yeah. well if they don't do well, then what? What's What's the... Fear. Well, that's the thing. Like, there's no actual answer to that. I think. I guess it's that they think they'll disappoint their family. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, is- sometimes you, you don't go that far, and you don't even know why. But you know, it's deeply rooted. You know, why are you so afraid of ABC? And sometimes you answer, oh, "Gee, I don't know. <laughs> Just am." Right. Exactly. Uh, I guess the fear, intellectual fear of, of screwing up a test. You know, the obvious would be, well, my parents might be this or that, but but sometimes it's it's just become so reflexive, and and it and it lasts, you know, into the teen years, the twenties, the thirties, and even as adults, you know, that could follow you through work, the work situation where you have this kind of morbid fear of your coworkers not praising you, of you not doing a good job, even though you might be the best person in the in the whole business. You know, you still carry around this fear of what if, what if I don't perform? So you're, mm-hmm. you're right, though. That's, it's very important. Fear is, yeah. it's, it affects all of us, you know, the, even the body, you know, the breathing, the heart rate, blood vessels. Did, did you know what, and what I find very interesting is, you know, muscles get pumped with blood, you know, getting us ready to react. But even the, the base of each hair follicle becomes tighter. Uh, you know what it's called goosebumps. You, you know what goosebumps are, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sometimes in a fear state, our hair actually stands up on end, and those are the goosebumps. And I was reading recently, which which I found very very interesting, is that from an evolutionary standpoint, the reason goosebumps and hair standing up on ends, especially in animals, is it it, it makes them seem larger and more formidable. Really? So, they, so there you go. The hairier you are, the more formidable you are. Huh. Good to know. There you go. So I'm just going to let my beard grow longer. Yeah. I don't know, the, then you don't have to be afraid of anything. Beards stand on end. I don't know. Well, you should. Haven't you ever been scared? No, never. As oh, <laughs> only purple people eaters. <laughs> no, I, of course, we all have. We all know about fear. It's. When I work with people with anxiety, all anxiety is fear-based. I mean, if you think about um, anxiety of anything, right, if, whether it be, you know, what's coming to around the corner tomorrow or how you'll handle next week's test or the bills next, whatever it is, it's all fear-based. So you tell me now, because I know you consult with your spiritual boyfriend there <laughs> instead of your father, but nevertheless... So you you consult with your your spiritual is he still your spiritual boyfriend can we can we kind of move on to somebody more more immediate than than Eckhart Tolle? What do you mean more immediate? 
Well, it's someone in your real life, you know, like your father. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't be my boyfriend, so you can well, be my true. spirit uh, my spiritual father, but I can't abandon Eckhart because I've been with him for too long. Okay. So what yeah. what would Eckhart advise you? He'd say, Lauren, I want you to know that here's what we do with fear. What would he say? Mm. What would he tell you? Or how would he instruct you to think about fear? Well, he would say that probably most fear, if not all fear, is actually mind-made. And there's a lot of psychological fear that happens, with it, which is the anticipation of what's to come. And when you are anticipating like a what if or a phobia or any sort of fear, um, our body will respond the exact same way. Like your brain sends signals to your body just by having fearful thoughts. So you're living in a stress-filled state, a fearful state, and the actual stimulus hasn't even happened. So I think what he would say is that a lot of times, you know, we spend our mental energy focusing on a fear that's not real yet it might be real in our brain like we think it's going to happen so we believe that we are preparing for it but the truth is that when it actually happens which it oftentimes never does but when it actually does happen we are able to respond to it in that present moment and so often the preparation we think we've done is not even at all necessary in fact it just creates like more um anxiety around the actual event. So to show you how far I've come in my own thinking, not that I'm vying for spiritual guru father award anymore, but um, that would be nice. But what, <laughs> what, what I would say is that there can really be no fear if you're totally present. Do, do you kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah. Because fear is of something that hasn't happened mm -hmm. so you might yeah. you might say well i'm fearful right now and that's being present but but your your fear itself the the mental fear is is really not something that is in, I, I, am I, I guess you could be fearful if someone's attacking you right yeah but i think that in that instance you have there there's power in the in the moment like you actually have the ability to do something about it you can handle the fear and you will handle the fear because your instincts will kick in and there will be a way to actually handle it whether it's like a real physical fear or like the fear of being fired or whatever it might be in the moment that it really happens your instincts will kick in and you'll handle it you'll put your attention towards handling the situation but you can't possibly do that if it doesn't exist yet. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so let's draw a line between if if someone is approaching you with a knife or if a meteorite is about to hit you in the head. So there are circumstances in the now that need to get our attention. And there may be a, an immediate reflexive fearful response, but we're really not talking about the snake the the snake i said the the guy with the knife or the meteorite we're, we're talking about 98 percent of the fears that that plague us today and those are the fears not of the moment but the fears of things to come the what ifs what if i don't do well what if i don't lose weight what if i don't get married those those are the fears that occupy most of our lives 
especially when we start to experience anxiety, depression. So, so really, we need to focus on the fears, not so much of our reflexive, uh, ancestral, evolutionary fears of self-protection, but the mental concept of fear, which removes us from the present. Because if we're fearing something that's going to happen in 20 minutes, we've left the present, right? So it's as simple as that. Yes, exactly. So I guess my my underlying question is, can, aside from the guy with the knife and the meteorite, aside from that, can there be fear if you're totally present? And maybe this is a hypothetical. Think about it a second. We have, we have time. Do, 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 do. I do. Uh, yes, I think fear, I think that fear is real. I think that it exists in the present. Like there are certain situations, like you mentioned earlier, like fear of heights or whatever, those visceral fears might be and I think that that fear response is very real and the frequency of it is very intense uh but yeah but those are uh yeah I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about specific if you're standing on a cliff I understand that fear but I'm saying if you're sitting in your living room and you start to feel fearful of something right so mm-hmm. that fear itself is not of you sitting in your living room. It's something outside of you in your living room. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. So it exists you, you, like you're creating the image of the fear in your mind. Yeah. 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 But what if like you're sitting inside like last week when the thunderstorm was happening and you even said as a homeowner, you're afraid of thunder and lightning yes. or a- lightning. Estrophobia. Astro- you have astrophobia. Um, but in that case, there's like, there's a real threat. So it makes sense that fear could be real at that moment. because it's uh, Okay, I, I mean, I'm, I'm splitting hairs, but, but it's the anticipation of what that lightning could do. Because the lightning hasn't hit me. It's the anticipation that it may hit me the what if. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess, and, and I know I am splitting hairs. But the reason I am is because with anxiety, it's all about anticipatory anxiety, all about anticipatory what-if thinking. And another word for fear is just a loss of control. We are controlling people. We like the sanctity and safety of being in control of our lives. So whether it's it's trees, flowers, gravity, thunder, lightning, snakes, whatever, mosquitoes, uh, there are there are well those are true mosquitoes and bugs and all that stuff. So once once we start to anticipate, we start to feel a bit out of control. So obviously, what fear does is it tries to mobilize us to gain control. Now, when we project that fear forward, when we're afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow, say at work, what we're doing, the fear itself is trying to mobilize our mental resources to get us to maybe rehearse, uh, to anticipate what am I going to do if, what will I say? So all of those are anxiety-related attempts to feel more in control. Mm, Do you you see control and fear as being almost synonymous? Yes. Mm. Yeah, I do. It's like your your mind believes that with enough attention and enough, uh, you know, problem solving that it'll be able to avoid something that is looming in the future. Exactly. And that thing that they think is looming is often not really there. (laughs) What if, what would be a fear, an unavoidable fear that one needs to be worrying about? Can you think of something like that? 
that one needs to be well, worrying well, about? What would be a case for why it's okay to be fearful in the moment? Like a natural disaster, maybe? Yeah, I guess, I guess. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult for me because I, I'm always wedded in anything that makes us feel out of control. We're going to try to fend, fend that off and feel more in control. So, so sometimes, you know, it, when people have anxiety, say an anxiety disorder, typically they're unable to feel safe. So they're always feeling out of control and therefore they're always not present. They're always anticipating, anticipating and so all that kind of stuff. So I guess, and, and I guess you can't eliminate all fear, but certainly I think that you can mitigate it most of the time. And, you know, and the way to do that is the more you self-trust your own ability, your own tools, your own resources and resourcefulness, the more you trust the self, the more likely it is that you're going to let go of some of those fears, if not all of them, because mm. fear itself is, is trying not to lose control, trying to feel safe. And, and of course, when that happens, we're just trying to feel in control. So the more self-trust you have, you know, I've handled problems thousands of times. What makes me think I won't handle the next one? Of course you will. But you have to get to that leap of faith where you trust yourself enough to not have to worry about it. You'll just let life unfold and react to it. Again, being more present, trusting your spontaneity, your instincts, your intuition. I think it's a much better way to live. You're you're pretty yeah. you're a pretty spontaneous person. I, I got I have to say that. Yeah, I think I think I've learned a lot about self trust in the years past. But I remember you telling me the story about well, it's not a story, but you explaining to me how you know the squirrel doesn't necessarily worry about the car hitting him ahead of time <laughs> but when the car is coming down the street the squirrel knows in that moment how to handle it most well almost hopefully most of the time um that's that's good but it is it's amazing to watch like a, a squirrel the way they can go in and out of the car as it's moving and end up on the other side and it's like no squirrel could have could have sat there and planned out the route they would take to escape the <laughs> screeching tires um but in the moment they have all the power because it is the present moment they have access to their own instincts well, squirrels are getting smarter i don't know but did i ever tell you my theory my squirrel theory I don't think so. I didn't know you had squirrel I do. theory. I, I should write a book, another book on squirrel theory. Okay, you ready for this? This is, this is really you're going well. gonna to think this is so profound. Uh, whenever I see a, a dead squirrel on the road, roadkill squirrel. So what happens is that squirrels that are getting naturally selected out are the ones that don't see the car coming, right? Mm. So squirrels with better peripheral vision will stay alive and procreate and eventually they'll only be squirrels with <laughs> with with great peripheral vision and there'll be no more road kills oh man we're gonna be overtaken by squirrels <laughs> now i'm gonna have it what's the fear what's the phobia for fear of squirrels <laughs> taking over <laughs> i don't know <laughs> squirrel phobia <laughs> Yeah. So what can we what can we tell people in terms of handling their fears? What 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 kind of advice would you give to a friend who comes up to you and says, Lauren, I can't stop worrying. I can't stop worrying. My 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 thumb hurts and I won't be able to text for the next day. What First of all, my friends don't talk like that. 
second of all, <laughs> um, I would I would say to them that, well, first of all, if you're in like an intense state of fear, the breath is like the best medicine because your amygdala when it when it is triggered in a fear response it's not it's not expecting to have like slow deep breaths Mm. Um, it believes that you are unsafe so if you're able to calm your breath and do some some breath work or deep breathing you literally can tell your nervous system that you are safe and that can then allow for the thinking portion of your brain to activate and allow you to rationalize better. So if you're in an intense state of fear, definitely using your breath to calm your body so that your mind can work properly would be the first. Well, well that, that would be wonderful advice for someone going into a panic attack, right? Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. The other thing that I would say is to recognize that you are in the grip of fear. So a lot of times we're, we're in it, and we don't actually have awareness around it. Like we don't realize that our mind is stuck in these fearful patterned thoughts. And so we just allow them to exist. So you don't necessarily have to change them because that's, that's the harder work. Like that can, might take more time, but if you can just listen to yourself, listen to your thoughts and notice them, that's, that's enough to sort of remove you from yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so you, you kind of step out of the, the chaos of the moment and kind of observe, you know, what it is that is going on in your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if you're, if you're able to, you then also challenge those thoughts a little bit. Um, you ask yourself whether they're based in reality and whether that reality exists right now, or is it just a mind made uh, fear that doesn't exist yet. So here's another scenario. Now I want you. I want. You, I want to hear the advice that you would give your friend. Oh. Lauren, oh my gosh, my I broke my phone. I can't go on Instagram. Oh, would you stop it? Oh what, my what advice would you give someone? <laughs> I can't go on Instagram. I can't go on Facebook. I can't text my friends. Oh my god. What would you say? What would you say? What would you actually say to a friend? Yes, ludicrous as that is. What would you say when they, they have all these fears about you know, their compulsive toy has been taken away? What would you say? I mean, I would get probably, a life. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if it were really my friend, I would challenge their uh, need for social validation. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what if someone told you that? They, go go they carefully gonna, here now. Go slowly. They were going to trash your telescope and you didn't have any more oh, well, that astronomy would, that, nights. That, that would be different. That would be different. Would it though? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That, that, that kind of fear is, is just unav- unavoidable. Okay. Now, in terms of treatment, anxiety, anticipatory, worrying, fear, uh, the treatment of choice is called exposure therapy. Ever hear of that? Yeah. Yeah. You basically, you know, you become sensitized to certain things, certain fears, um, whether it's just insecurity, not feeling good enough, uh, fear of heights, fear of spiders, whatever that is. We see it mostly, though, or I do as a psychologist in social anxiety, where people have a generalized fear of, you know, social people, other people, and they start to avoid and become isolated and want to just really not engage in life. So exposure therapy is exposing yourself 
not not in that way, but exposing yourself to situations that you fear. And you do this incrementally and you do it gradually. And over time, you're desensitizing. So it takes some courage. And it really, it really does take a leap of faith. So from a psychological standpoint, you build a foundation for that. And you find some strategies for incrementally moving in that direction of exposure. But with social anxiety patients, I always try to get them to a point of being willing to take that risk and understanding how important it is for their life, for their happiness, for their future, that they, they don't become complacent or passive about the need to gain more exposure, especially to those things that you fear. Have you ever had to overcome something through, uh, through definite exposure kind of therapy yourself? Yeah, well, with the elevators, for sure. I, I used to at first ride it just halfway up and then take the stairs the other half when I lived in that apartment. Uh, because <laughs> So you compromised. Yeah, I didn't want, you know, then my risk was like half as much for being stuck in the elevator. Um, and then eventually I was able to, to just do it. Yeah. Well, I like what you said before about, you know, minding your thoughts, uh, you know, acknowledging the fears, being present. It's very, very important. You know, that goes a long way towards managing everyday fear. Because as we're saying today, fear exists in our projections of the future. Right? Mm. Yeah. And I, I guess what's important for me is that I think we all have to accept the fact that fear is part of us and it's part of life. So the key is not trying or expecting that we should be fearless. Mm. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's a, a, a rational person in the world that doesn't have some fears. So the key is to keep our fears proportional, you know, not extinguishing them. And, and if you did extinguish them, you'd be at risk. So, so we, we need our fears as part of our evolutionary constitution to protect ourselves, but we can't, we can't let them become disproportionate. And that's what happens. We overthink. And I don't know, I mean, growing up, did you ever have a, other than elevators, like disproportionate? You said last, last week you talked about fear of adults, remember? Yeah, I also had a fear of kidnapping, which is actually a very popular fear among kids. Like when I ask ah. them, it's funny. It's like that, I guess that feeling of. But do you know why you did? I'm serious. No. Because when you were growing up, there had been a few abductions in our town. And it, oh. it was. The, in our town? Yeah, it was the talk of the town. Or at least people said there was this green van. Uh, it was a white van. <laughs> Now I'm remembering now. Oh my gosh. It's like all flooding back. Oh my God. Yeah. The white van, but that wasn't our town. I think it was neighboring towns. Okay. But, but see, you were sensitized and your, your young mind started to ponder, you know, and that's, that's what happens is we start to then get ourselves into that future. And once you start to feel insecure and unsafe and out of control, remember that word control. Mm -hmm. I, I, I always default to that word through all our podcasts and all the psychology that I do. Control is the essence. If we, in our human strategy, anything that makes us feel out of control produces rumbling. Some of them neurotic, some of them rational, but we like to be in control. I remember a high school biology teacher said that the fundamental law of nature is that we all avoid pain and seek pleasure. And I always yep. felt that there should be an additional law, and that is human beings abhor losing control. 
So that's what fear seems to be all about. Hey, you know what? We're talking and talking here about fears. I, I, I'm, I'm afraid that that I almost, I'm terrified that I almost forgot. You know what time it is? Pep talk time. It is pep coaching pep talk time. Managing fear. So fear is an instinctual response to danger, real or imagined. And when the danger is real, like with COVID. Fear mobilizes our resources to protect us from harm. And this, of course, is a good thing. But when fear is associated with insecurity, well, then we wind up protecting ourselves, not from actual danger, from fear itself, the what ifs. And when this happens, fear morphs into anxiety. So how do we tell the difference? Well, fear that has been cannibalized by insecurity is primarily a projection of the what ifs. What if I get sick? What if I lose my job? And although seemingly reasonable, what if fear deals with an uncertain future? And since the future doesn't exist, these fears should be thought of as projections of our insecurity. So what's the answer, Lauren asks? Well, Lauren, the answer is staying present, dealing with today's challenges and taking a risk to live more courageously. Becoming more courageous doesn't mean you have to become fearless. The courageous person doesn't eliminate fear. He or she manages it. Ooh, yes. Did I deliver that in a fearsome manner? You did. Thank you. And I like the idea that like fearless is not actually the thing that we're after. It's it's managing fear. Absolutely right. There is no such thing as fearless. Well, I'm going to go on managing my fear today. How about you? Yeah, I think so. I am going to maybe go ride an elevator. Mm. I don't know where, but. And does the old Hudson Street uh, feeling come in? Are you scared even mentioning that? Really? I guess I. I guess I've conquered that fear. Oh, so come on, give me some some closing remarks this week. I'm going to see if you can make me unafraid. Unafraid? I think your pep talk kind of summed it all up. That's true. I like it. Okay, that's. But do you have any any closing guidelines? You know, I have like a internal fear of you putting me on the spot with the closing <laughs> remarks, which is probably why you're doing it. Is it a phobia? It's turning into one. Hey, maybe, hey, what's that, uh, the email? Do you check that email every once in a while? I will start checking it. <laughs> Do you know what it is? Yeah, it's selfcoachingpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, so if anyone would like to have us do a specific kind of podcast, uh, personalize it, we'll be glad to, to do that for you. And uh, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't have any closing remarks. I think we covered everything. For fear of flowers. Fear of flowers. Um, I think my favorite is genuphobia. Is I keep hearing this banging over there. What are you? What are you? You clobbering the microphone or something? Me? Oh no! I am stretching my back. Maybe it's it, touching. You, you don't hear that that noise? No. Oh. Are you hear it right now? Yeah, just then. Just then. Oh, it's the wire. Oh, sorry. Oh, there it goes. Yeah, that's the wire. Every time I stretch it, it touches. Right, so let me let me just. At least I'm limber. Sorry to everybody's ears. Yes, and let me also add those that have endured that that sound throughout <laughs> this podcast. Uh, we we both apologize. I mean, these sound studios they may be expensive, and 
And but that's the one thing we haven't rectified. So there goes another quarter of a million dollars for next week. We'll have to spend. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, I I don't have anything else to say. I am now managing my fears quite well. Uh, I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do after this. And I think that uh, knowing you, you're not really afraid of being abducted anymore. Or are you? No, I think I'm all right with the abduction and the elevators. And um, yeah, I, I think I'm doing okay. Great, great. Yeah. So on that note, I would like to say that I wish everyone would come and visit our websites, Self Studio. <laughs> you always have to help me with this. Studioslearning.com. I'm getting phobic because I messed it up the last few times. See this? Yeah. I'm getting a little phobic. Selfstudioslearning.com. And that's that's our uh, sponsor. And would you like to just say a brief word about that? Uh, Self Studios Learning is a new company that is offering social emotional learning and wellness courses for kids and teenagers. So you can check out our website and um, also follow us on social media to learn more about it. Hmm. Self Studios Learning, one word, dot com. And it's quite a program. And we're very delighted and proud to have Self Studios Learning as our sponsor, our self-coaching sponsor. So visit selfstudioslearning.com. And when you get a little bit ready for some really hyper-stimulation, go over to selfcoaching.net. And I know it's confusing.com.net, but only for only for baby boomers, this is confusing, I'm sure. And, and once, once you're at uh, selfcoaching.net, you could learn more about my self-coaching philosophy, or I should say our self-coaching philosophy, and check out my number one best-selling book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless and you are not powerless. And remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join the unafraid, unscared Lauren and me every week. And let's make it simple together. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, let